Thriving in divorce and beyond means not having to worry about the safety of your children when it comes to co-parenting. With alcohol abuse on the rise, many co-parents are turning to the system committed to providing proof, protection, and peace of mind. Soberlink's alcohol monitoring system is the most convenient, reliable, and reasonable way for a parent to provide evidence that they are not drinking during parenting time. Soberlink's real-time alerts, facial recognition, and tamper detection ensure the integrity of each test so you can be confident your kids are with a sober parent. With Soberlink, judges rest assured that your child is safe, attorneys get court-admissible evidence of sobriety, and both parents have empowerment and peace of mind. Pull back the curtain on the mysteries of parenting time and trust the experts in remote alcohol monitoring technology to keep you informed and your kids safe and secure. To download the resource I created with Soberlink, Divorce and Addiction, A Guide to Move Forward, visit www.soberlink.com backslash Susan. Coming up on today's episode of the Divorce and Beyond podcast. Any high conflict situation in any setting could be a family, workplace, you know, high conflict boss or, you know, a neighbor, anyone. The three words we hear are exhaustion, dread, and chaos. And this is how it goes. They say, I'm exhausted from the chaos and I dread ever seeing that person again. We don't say that about most relationships and most people do we? (laughs) So when you feel that, you know, you probably are dealing with someone with a high conflict personality. Hello, and welcome to the Divorce and Beyond podcast. I'm Susan Guthrie, your host. As a top divorce attorney and family law mediator for 30 years, I know what you need to know to get through your divorce, and most importantly, how to move beyond it to thrive and transition to your new future. My experts and I are here to give you the insider view into the process, so listen in for the wisdom and expert information you need on your journey through divorce and beyond. Hello, and welcome to today's podcast. I'm Susan Guthrie, your host, and today is an episode that has been in the works for a little while. I have been chasing poor Megan Hunter all over the place, trying to get her to make the time in her incredibly busy schedule to come on because I'm so thrilled and excited to talk about uh, one of her books. This one in particular is something that so many of my listeners have brought up to me. So first, Thank you, Megan, because you are running two big companies yourself right now. And so I know how hard it is and starting a podcast and doing a million different things. So I'm thrilled that you were able to take the time to join me this morning. Oh, my goodness. It's so my pleasure. I would do a podcast or anything else with you at any time because I completely admire everything you do with all your work. So that's a little all or nothing, isn't it? But (laughs) I really do admire everything you do. And and I'm so, so proud of of where you've come with this podcast and all of everything. Oh, well, thank you. And you were, you know, you were one of the first guests when I started a podcast back, um, I think it's over three years ago when I was doing Breaking Free, a Modern Divorce podcast. You were one of the first guests on that show. And that's really been uh, what got me started in podcasting. And in that uh, podcast episode, we were talking about your book, 
Dating Radar, which is still one of my favorites, and it's on the bookshelf in my other office, so I can't hold it up, but I recommend everybody listen to that episode, and and I'll link to that in the show notes and get the book, because if you're out there dating, you need a radar. (laughs) Absolutely. Yes. Everybody can see if you're watching on the video, it says High Conflict Institute Behind Megan, and for those of you who have listened to the incredibly popular episodes with Megan's business partner, Bill Eddy, you will know that she is the CEO and co-founder with Bill of the High Conflict Institute, which I probably mention in 80% of my consults with clients and podcast episodes um, as one of, like, if not one of the best, it's the best resource for anyone going through a high conflict divorce or having an issue of high conflict in their lives. And that's one of the things that we talk about is conflict Uh, comes about in oh so many different places in our lives. And I have given the High Conflict Institute reference to friends for their jobs and for people who are having trouble with family members in a million different places. And I use, I mean, I, I told Bill the other day, I, my husband was in a meeting or in a, we were having cocktails with friends and he got a text and he said, hold on a minute. I have to go biff somebody. Oh, and, nice. he, why? and not only did, was I proud of him because he knew what biff was, but everybody that was in the group because of, I talk about it so much, they all knew what he meant by going and biffing someone. So um, Megan awesome. is the, isn't that great? I mean, I was like, Biff is in, is part of my, the vernacular of not only my divorce world, but everyone who knows me and it should be. Yeah. It's a, now it's, it's an acronym. It's a verb. It's a noun <laughs> yeah. and you don't yeah, want to get was biffing. <laughs> Although there are some people who send me emails where I wish they had biffed me. Exactly. But you are the, the CEO of the high conflict Institute, as well as the founder and publisher of unhooked books. And so for all of my listeners out there, Unhooked Books is the source of all those wonderful books that I'm always talking about, like Biff. Megan's book, she's an author, and the one we're going to talk about today, let me just dive into it, is called The High Conflict Co-Parenting, and I feel like survival should be bolded and and highlighted, (laughs) Survival Guide. It's a great title, and it's a great book. Um, And so I'm thrilled that you're here. I wanted to talk about this because... When you're caught up in that high conflict co-parenting, because that's a relationship that doesn't end, it can feel like a life or death survival of the fittest moment. So this, you know, title alone, I thought was great. So I'm thrilled that we can talk about it today, Megan. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. You know, so one of the things I, we talked about this just a moment ago before we got started, but you start the book before you even get into a dive into all the wonderful information that's in here. For those who are able to, you know, see it on the film or on the video, I, a note of caution to the reader, and you can see I've arrowed it. And if I had had a highlighter, I would have highlighted it. <laughs> I saw it and, and, you know, ding, 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 ding. I know why it's so important and why you included that note of caution. But I think for my listeners, if you could share what the note of caution is and why you felt it was so important to open the book that way, I think it will be helpful. Yeah, it is, and it is one of the biggest areas of disclaim, I guess, that we need to do around high conflict work and, and co-parenting, really, because 
you know, what happens is once we kind of identify ourselves as someone who's in a high conflict divorce or co-parenting with someone high conflict, or if we start reading the books and or Googling, you know, narcissist and divorce or borderline or things like that, um, we immediately kind of get this bias in our mind and our mind likes to just really get drawn into uh, something that's going to help us identify what we've, we're going through, right? So if you have this really uh, horrible relationship with, with your ex-spouse and they have some of the traits that you read about um, in terms of narcissism or someone with a high conflict personality, well, it might be right. It might be true. It might not be true. Um, but our brains want to go to that worst case place most typically. So you really want to avoid doing that. And you want to avoid telling anyone specifically your ex or their mother or father or, you know, the kids that you think you're uh, the other parent is, is high conflict or a borderline or a histrionic or a narcissist, high conflict personality. And as you and I both know, and we've talked about Susan, it's, you know, it's just very tempting for people to do this. And we say all the time, don't do it. Don't ever do it. People just don't hear that. They don't absorb it. It won't override the desire to really glom onto that narcissism label, right? Um, and then it really backfires. If you're telling your children that they, their other parent is high conflict or is a narcissist or a sociopath, how do you think the kid is going to feel about that? How do you think that child, you know, they're going to form those thoughts in their mind that number one, it might be true and it might not be true. So, but the kid is going to listen to the parent and think, okay, that must be true. Or else they're going to think, well, you know, this parent's cuckoo. So now I've got one cuckoo parent or the other, maybe both. Right? Yes. Or they'll feel that maybe they're, they are like their parent. Cause we often identify with our parents. Right. And so if, you know, dad's saying mom's a, a sociopath, then the child may think, well, maybe that makes me a sociopath. Am I a sociopath? I mean, so there's lots of things. So just avoid all the labeling and the deciding, and instead just take a look at the, the patterns of behavior. And you're just going to be, you know, kind of get these private thoughts in your head about whether this person has high conflict traits or not. And if they do, you just have to do, you know, something different. Yeah. And, and it's such a good point. I hope everybody is hearing this because as you just said, we've said this a million times. I've said it, you've said it, I've counseled it, I've coached people on this. Do not tell your high conflict personality person that they have a high conflict personality that they are. Don't do it. It is throwing oil on a fire. It is not going to be helpful. Do not give them, you know, links in an email to the test you took for them that says that they are a narcissist and it suggests they go take it. None of that is actually going to help you. The reason it's so important is because the true high conflict personality has a different operating system from everyone else right? And we just don't recognize that. We know they're different, but we don't know that it's actually a different operating system. They don't operate like us. So they do not, absolutely do not think that they have a problem because their internal operating system tells them that any problems, any anxieties, any conflicts come from you. And so in their mind, you are the high conflict person. So if you're telling them, and let's say you're not the high conflict person at all, and you know this about yourself, um, you know, you're self-aware, all of things, right? Um, and you know that your ex does have these, these patterns of behavior and is typically, you know, probably high conflict. And you go and tell that person that they're high conflict. 
it's just going to make them more high conflict because they think it's you and they think everything is your fault. And so it serves you no purpose to tell them that. So it's almost like you kind of have to, you know, have your little, your strategy, right? Like your business strategy, which is get smart. And one of the things to get, you know, tick the box is don't tell them that they're high conflict or narcissist or any of them. Keep that language out of the, the conversation. I like that for those who can't see it, you know, the, the lock of the lips, folks. And, and that is truly a, a key pointer. And, and I really like your um, description of it as they have a different operating system. There's something I think that people think if I just explain this to them one more time, yes. they're going to make internal changes. It's true. And I've, you know, what I've found over the years is it can take quite a while once you really start understanding about high conflict personalities, it can still take a good amount of time to identify them in your, your world, in your sphere, particularly if they're close friends or something. So an example, someone I was coaching several years ago, many, many years ago, when I was kind of new in this, I was still missing it. Sometimes I was, I was kind of failing to see, because I was listening to the drama story instead of focusing on the facts, right? So the drama story pulled me in and I was feeling sorry for the, in this case, it was a husband. Um, you know, I was giving him empathy and, and he had, a, you know, a child and I always have empathy for this kid. And we were kind of, you know, my husband and I were having him to dinner and the child to dinner and we were just kind of taking care of the, you know, doing what we could. And um, at one point he said, well, I want to go, I, I've decided I'm going to the bookstore and buying 20 copies of Randy Kreger's book, uh, Stop Walking on Eggshells, Eggshells, which is about borderline personality, like how to deal with a family member with borderline personality disorder. I said, well, what are you going to do that for? Well, I'm going to send them to my wife's parents and her siblings, all of her adult siblings and, you know, aunts and uncles, everybody in the family, because they need to understand what I'm dealing with. And I, I said, no, don't do that. That's a very, very, very bad idea. That's a terrible idea. In fact, it's going to backfire on you. And I thought he would take my advice and he didn't. He went and bought those books and sent them out, even gave one to his wife, soon to be ex-wife, and um, it completely backfired. So what I learned from that situation is when you tell someone to give someone advice and they go against it, like they, he couldn't stop himself from doing that, right? And that's when you kind of realize, oh, maybe this guy has some traits of being high conflict, right? Because 90% of people stop themselves before doing something high risk or something that's going to, you know, shoot themselves in the foot. So, yeah, well, and so that's a great tale. I'm glad you shared it because anyone out there who's thinking, yeah, but, and I always say the worst, you know, phrase is yeah, but, yeah, but. because it just means yeah, but, um, yeah, but my, I think I can get the point across. You just heard that. This is somebody who's hearing from one of the top experts in high conflict communication in the, in the world in the world and didn't follow the advice and what did it do backed backfired so it, it truly you know please take that into consideration and you know you actually in the book um i think there's a quote in the book somewhere that says you uh it's in the pause before you respond that you reclaim your power and when you're in that pause before you respond to whatever high conflict thing your spouse or ex just said, 
reclaim your power by not responding that, hey, you're a narcissist or a a borderline. That's part of reclaiming your power. Yeah. And I could give credit uh, for that to my my co-author, Andrea La Rochelle, because she, she's just brilliant, number one. But um, that was, it's such an important thing to give that pause. And what it really is, is a mark of maturity, right? And mark of discipline when you can pause for that moment. And really, truly, if you want to survive and even thrive in this high conflict co-parenting situation or divorce situation, you have to be mature. You have to be disciplined. You're not dealing with an ordinary operating system. This isn't an ordinary divorce. This is, you know, some, of course, there's conflict in every divorce, but high conflict is different. So you have to do it differently. And I, I kind of liken it to if you were diagnosed with cancer, and I'm not calling someone high conflict, like a cancerous tumor. I'm just saying it's kind of using it as a metaphor, sort of, it's serious, right? A cancer diagnosis is super serious. And so you adapt, you go, okay, I've got to get a strategy together. Um, let's see, it says to quit eating sugar. And now I've got to get chemo and I've got to do this. And I have to change the diet and I have to dip, make a lot of changes. It's the same thing when you're, you know, in a high conflict divorce or co-parenting situation, this is serious. And you have to understand that operating system and you have to understand that you have to adapt because they can't, right? And so you you get wise about your strategy and you have to also really, it's very important to understand that your brain is hooked, right? Emotionally hooked. You have the history with that person and, you know, let's say there was violence involved or, you know, verbal abuse, any of it, you know, you got a little trauma in there and, you know, that can all compound on top of what you're, you know, you're feeling, you're like, you're feeling all this history, you're feeling angst, you don't like this person, you may even hate them, you hate what they do to your children, and what they've done to you. And maybe now you're, you're financially disadvantaged because of all that you just lost, lost hopes and dreams. But behind that is the amygdala and the hippocampus, you know, the, the amygdala saying, hey, you know, there's some problems here. And you know, you've got his, his and her amygdala, amygdalas, really kind of picking up on each other and looking out for, you know, watching for uh, body language and facial expression and tone of voice. And then you, you know, put that on top of the memories that are stored up in that hippocampus, you can get emotionally hooked so quickly. And it's in those moments then when we get reactive and explanatory and defensive and argumentative instead of doing it a different way. Stay tuned for more from Susan and her special guest, Megan Hunter, the CEO of the High Conflict Institute, with tips from her sanity-saving book, The High Conflict Co-Parenting Survival Guide. The helpful part is that if you learn strategies to deal with a high-conflict personality, you can have hope that they will change. Take care of yourself the first 26 weeks of the year, and you will start to feel more hopeful. And then just keep building on that as your brain shifts into, you know, more of that helpful attitude that I have the power myself to change what I do, how I respond instead of react, how I use strategies like ear statements and BIF responses, and, you know, having my own limits and boundaries and living my life. If you are enjoying this episode, check out Will This Ever Be Over? Coping with the never-ending COVID divorce with the divorce doctor, Dr. Elizabeth Cohen. That feeling of being disappointed that something you thought was going to happen isn't happening. That is an experience that we have to be 
connected to and, and, and understand and process. And I think people have lots of different ways of processing it. And now we return to today's show. It's not just recognizing that you're dealing with someone who has a different operating system. It's also coming up with ways to then modify how you behave um, with that person who has a different operating system. And one of the things that I note about the book, you know, and, and uh, it's it's reclaim your life one week at a time. And the book actually sp- is spread out over a year. It's a 52 week plan. And, you know, you and I were just talking before we started taping about the fact that we live in this instant gratification world these days. You know, most of everything, we want an app for it and we want to get on that app and we want to meditate for five minutes with someone speaking in our ear, telling us how to meditate and then we're done and calm for the day. Why was it important as you were approaching the book to do this over a year? It takes at least 90 days to change a habit, right? Um, and make a new habit. And, uh, you know, some people are probably shorter than that and longer than that, but on average, let's say 90 days. And then you have to practice that habit and why it's so important when you uh, practice in it with a high conflict personality, uh, a person with a high conflict personality is that because of that amygdala I just talked about, we get emotionally hooked. Add to that, we are, you know, we've been doing it one way for a long time. And that one way may be be that you've been kind of suppressed. You've suppressed your own personality. You've been afraid or intimidated. And so you're afraid to say anything. So you're going to have to adapt from that so you can be more assertive, right? Instead of a conflict avoider, you have to assert yourself a bit, not angrily, but just assertive. Or let's say that you are, you know, a fighter explainer, and I'm a bit of an explainer and and probably more on the aggressive side than the conflict avoider side. I I mean, I I don't like conflict, but I'm willing to stay in it. And I think I can explain anything to anyone, but you can't with a high conflict person because they aren't going to get it. And that's when you finally going to smack your forehead and go, you know, okay, now I know what I'm dealing with. Right. So uh, they aren't going to get empathy by my explanation. Uh, They're not going to automatically have that. So you just have old patterns plus being hooked emotionally can uh, you really need a long period of time to get better and to change old habits and start new ones. And, you know, and, and we really wrote this book too, because, you know, the, the subtitle is reclaim your life one week at a time. And it's so many people feel like their lives are just, have just become hell in, in high conflict marriages. And it's really soul destroying and devastating. And, and, you know, you and I both have had so many people call us and say, I'm in a dark, deep hole. I have no idea how to get out and even help myself, let alone my children. Right. So to take a, you know, a year to get well, to take care of you is something you probably haven't been doing before. And you have to with this. I just spoke with a coaching client yesterday and she's in that hole. She's, she's deeply immersed in it and in a really dark place. I suggested to her the the book I told you, but you know, one of the very first things that jumped out at me about the book is that, so it's, you know, a week by week, it has all kinds of wonderful exercises and explanations, but you start week one with the, you know, the question, how did this happen to me? And that to me said everything because the focus there is on you instead of what we do 
in talking about the high conflict person all the time, focusing on them. And so I suspect that's one of the reasons why you started week one that way, but I thought it would be helpful to listeners to hear more on that. No, it's just a whirlwind or a tornado or a hurricane, whatever you want to say about uh, being in a high conflict relationship. And when you get to this point where you're so frustrated and, you know, maybe really lacking hope, just just don't see a way out, no light at that at the end of the tunnel, or you're just exhausted. You know, the, the words we hear the most in dealing with high conflict divorces or any high conflict situation in any setting it could be a family workplace you know, with a real challenge, you know, high conflict boss or, you know, a neighbor, anyone. The three words we hear are exhaustion, dread, and chaos. And this is how it goes. They say, I'm exhausted from the chaos and I dread ever seeing that person again. We don't say that about most relationships and most people, do we? No. <laughs> so when you feel that, you know, you probably are dealing with someone with a high conflict personality. You have been just trying to survive. You've been in survival mode for a long time, and you've probably done a lot of a lot of things that you regret. <laughs> and I, you know, I'm not one on having big regrets, but you know, the because this person has such a different operating system, we get it wrong a lot of the times because we're reacting so much and we're just trying to figure out what to do to not set the other person off or to you know just protect ourselves or our children. So we can lose sight of just taking care of, of me in those moments. And you have to, you have to care enough about yourself to get well, right? The stronger you are, you know, the, the better able you're going to handle the long-term co-parenting relationship. I think, you know, there's some people who think it's sort of selfish to, to take care of yourself. And I, I, I you know, I know you don't, and I know yeah. I don't, we, we, do take care of ourselves. You know, I took yesterday off. My daughter was here visiting from another state and I, you know, I have tons of work to do, but guess what? Relationships are important. So I took the day off and we went to a, you know, a pool and, and had a kind of a spa day. Um, but I had to practice that. I had to get to a point where, you know, I would, I was willing to take care of myself. So depending on your background, you, it may be hard for you to do that, but you need to do it. Uh, why it's important is I, I think even reading a book like this and kind of doing the one week at a time becomes a validation that I'm not alone. Someone else is dealing with this. Someone else kind of has a prescription for this. And if they're saying I need to take care of myself, maybe I should. Right. And then there's just lots of validation in there that you have those aha moments and go, oh, yeah, oh, Oh, that's what I was dealing with. I didn't even understand that. I didn't realize that, right? It can just be so affirming when some when you find realize that other people understand what you're going through and that you're not crazy. Yeah, well, and the not crazy and they know what you're going through and in, in the book they have strategies to help you move through it but i do yeah. think what one of the things you said there was that you know it takes time to rewire how you work with or manage or just you know have conversations and communicate with that high conflict person you have for years likely most of the people who are listening have for years been entrenched in a conflict cycle of some kind with their person with a high conflict personality. You know, they get a trigger, they are going to react the same way they always have. And you are not going to read a book, any book, no matter how wonderful it is, and change in the few hours it takes you to read the book, change that wiring. And so 
taking this a, a week at a time to me felt so supportive because it, it walks you through in bite-sized chunks how you're going to retrain you. Again, this is none of this is actually about the person with the high conflict personality, except right. helping you understand their patterns and helping you deal with them. That's, I, that's why I got so excited about this. And you know, the other thing that you just said, you use that word hope. Um, and I think that that's a critical factor as well. I just last week had Dr. Elizabeth Cohen on, a friend of mine. She's the divorce doctor. And Elizabeth comes on all the time to talk about things that are going on. And we were talking in this episode about the fact that so many people are angry and frustrated and lacking in hope because COVID is never ending, right? <laughs> the last yep. time she, before that she had been on was March and we were talking about, you know, what it was going to be like to emerge from COVID and the pandemic. Well, guess what? We haven't emerged. And the word that she said was so important in all of that, or one of the things was to have hope. And your book actually does that. And I noticed, I, I didn't even notice, but then when I was just getting ready for this, it's week 26. It's the midpoint. Week 26. Ah, yay. Is hope. hope. Ah, so, yes. Right? <laughs> so thought. right there, yeah, right on in, at the midpoint of your 52-week program, you you bring up this issue of hope. And, you know, so I, maybe we can talk a little bit more about how, how hope plays into this and why it's right there in the middle. Uh, well, first of all, I think mean, we can all agree that when you're dealing with someone with a, a different operating system, that is when you lose hope because you've been successful in your other relationships, you know, your work relationships, family relationships, most typically, and you've had success of, in, in your interactions with them. Even if there's conflict, people let it go, they move on, they forgive. But when you're dealing with someone like this, you know, what you're doing isn't working. And so you do lose hope. And if there are other things involved, such as verbal ab abuse, physical abuse, just control, you know, all these, the HCPs are, are very, very controlling. So you kind of lose a bit of yourself. And the more you lose of yourself, you know, you just, uh, you, you do lose that hope. And so I'll give a little story here about hope. Uh, hopefully this will <laughs> hopefully this will help your listeners to um, to get some hope if they're lacking, you know, in that area. So back when I got divorced in 1992, 94, right? Say, there it was fades <laughs> into history, people. There you go. It does. It does. It's amazing. I've been, I, it's incredible. I've been divorced this long. It's it's like it was in the 90s, right? In the we were still in the 1900s. <laughs> But there was no real language around difficult divorce. There wasn't this high conflict terminology, right? So I didn't know I was in a high conflict divorce and I was a part of the problem. And so was my husband at the time. And, uh, you know, we were young and whatever. So I'm not saying either of us had high conflict personalities, but we were getting into a high conflict situation and it was getting rough and it did feel very much like there wasn't hope. You know, I kept focusing on my children and long story short, I guess I had somehow, I had some innate, something innate in me, me that I understood high conflict situations before I even knew what they were, right? So I kind of knew what to do to take the wind out of the sails of this high conflict 
situation and the inner interactions we were having and to know what ground to give up, right. In order to keep him calmer to, and just work things out. And he did the same at the same time. It was kind of interesting. I would say every year, except that first year, we, we've never had a fight. We've never had conflict. I mean, it's really, really interesting. And we've supported each other's parenting, even though it, w- it could have been pretty high conflict. And that's the real difference there is, is you've got to be that disciplined person and figure out how to take the wind out of the other, out of the high conflict situation. Um, there are a lot of other things, but all that to say, the hopeful part is that here we are, you know, 30 years later and, you know, we still do family reunions together. We're grandparents together now. And, you know, we just, my husband and I, I had him and his parents over last week for a barbecue and, you know, our grandchild and son and daughter-in-law. And I did get a, a text from him several years ago, thanking me for being a great mom. And if you didn't seen us 30 years ago, you would have said that will never happen. So, you know, it's kind of a long story and it isn't completely on point, but I think the hopeful part is that if you learn strategies to deal with a high conflict personality, you can have hope that they will change take care of yourself the first 26 weeks of the year and you will start to feel more hopeful. And then just keep building on that as you, your brain shifts into, you know, more of that helpful attitude that I have the power myself to change what I do, how I respond instead of react, how I use strategies like ear statements and BIF responses, how I analyze my options, which is something I've really been focusing on a lot lately in coaching HCP situations and, you know, having my own limits and boundaries and living my life. That's a good point because you can get so immersed in the ongoing conflict cycle that your life starts to pass you by. And you are buried in just dealing with the next or dreading thinking about the last one that came, you know, it's a horrible place to be in. And, and so hope is something that you need to have. And it can be so hard. You know, I keep thinking of the, the person that I was speaking to yesterday and she, she does not see that there's hope out there in the world. I think by the end of our conversation, she's, she was starting to see that there are there's help out there and hopefully that will bring hopefully that will bring her some hope as she goes along but if we had the time and could do a three-day podcast that never ended i'd go through every single week but at the end you close it out and there are some wonderful quotes in here anyone who follows me knows that i i love quotes because they distill for us little kernels of something that I think it's, you know, there are things that are important for us to remember. So I'm always putting things out there, but you close with one that says, weak people revenge, strong people forgive, intelligent people ignore. And then, you know, the the title of that chapter is Find the Good. So tell us about Find the Good. Well, Find the Good came from my co-author, Andrea, and uh, she's actually has a whole um, business around it and, you know, merchandise and everything. And she's so focused on, on the positive, right. And wellness and hope and finding that good and using the discipline um, to, to have, to make a better life, not only for yourself, but for your children. Right. And honestly, taking care of yourself is just the best gift you can give to your children. Everything that's role modeled for them, they pick up on. I can't tell you enough. I mean, you know this, um, and, and hopefully your your listeners are, are learning that from you too. That things you do to take care of yourself, the things you, how you treat your uh, your 
children's other parents, you know, how you, for, if you forgive, or if you hold on to that, that angst, you know, that's what they're going to do in their future relationships. Probably now some are going to be, have some wisdom and say, that's, I'm going to do the opposite, opposite of that in my relationships. And so that's awesome, but you don't want to, you know, reach our age and go and look back and think, man, I wish I would have done it differently, you know, shown my children a different role model in this particular area. Um, I wish I would have forgiven. And, you know, I talk to people, I have a little, little thing I do with people about the five-year decision. If you only had five years to live, would you withhold that forgiveness? Or if you only had a year to live, would you hold withhold that forgiveness? Would you want to spend time with that person? Would you want your children to spend time with that person? Now, if it's a damaging relationship, of course, we're not talking about violence or, you know, any abuse. We avoid those. Right. Right. I know somebody will bring it up. And and so I'm glad you said that because obviously we're not talking about dangerous situations. Exactly. Encouraging those relationships, you know, you don't want to regret that. So I'll I'll ask people that sometimes and they'll come back to me and, and they'll say, well, you know what? That person did me so wrong and I'm so hurt and they're so awful that you know, no, I won't forgive them. If, even if I only have a year to live, I'll never forgive them. And I think that's sad because forgiveness is for you, as we all know, right? If you withhold forgiveness, you're, you're teaching your children to withhold forgiveness and that's not going to be good for them. No, I mean, for we have a whole episode on, you know, forgiveness is the gift you give to yourself. And um, I was what you said just made me think of Michelle Dempsey Multak, one of my friends, um, came on the show and she said, you know, she wakes up every day and she has her young daughter and she says she wakes up every day and thinks, how do I model the person I want my daughter to be today? You know, so who am I going to be today to model for my daughter who I want her to be? Mm, and, I love that. Yeah, it's just a one. You know, we should all live that way, and it's something that. You know, as a stepmom, I've tried to, you know, it was something I needed to incorporate into my thinking as, you know, realizing that the way I had a relationship with their mom, the relationship that I have with their father, those are things that they're going to see and take forward and think those are the things that they're going to model. And so for children who are dealing, you may not tell your children they're dealing with a high conflict parent, but you do want to model for them how they might communicate with and manage their relationship with their high conflict parent. I've said it now several times and held it up, but I love the book and I love the the help and the hope that it holds out for those people who are in that dark place. Um, where people can find the book, um, you tell us, where can people, what's the best place? Anywhere books are sold. <laughs> so that you can get it on our website, highconflictinstitute.com, or we have a website now for um, parents uh, who are uh, going through high conflict situations and divorces and co-parenting called Conflict Playbook. And on that site, you can get this book. We also have an online course for uh, high conflict co-parenting that is just, it's specifically designed for that. It's not like a, any other parent education course out there. And that's uh, called New Ways for Families that was created by Bill Eddy. So we have a lot of resources. We have a, even, you know, we've been trying to have a, a support group for for parents in these situations. And it's it's been a little bit tough to get off the ground just because we're all so busy. But um, we do have a lot of resources there. And I would also point you to um, Andrea La Rochelle. Uh, she lives in Canada and she's just amazing. And she is the find of the good lady. Um, she really is. So yeah. So, and then, you know, I can get 
purchased on Amazon or Barnes and Noble. And it, it is not an ebook. I will say that because it's, it has checklists in it and things like that. So we didn't do an ebook. You really need to, you know, there's a lot of science around the more you use your brain to think <laughs> the calmer you feel. And so it's good to have that physical book in your hands and to actually write in it and, you know, check off the boxes and things. And that is, helps structure your life and helps you feel better. I can see that. And I'm a person who likes a tactile book. But, you know, for those who can see, there are, you know, checklists on the sides of the pages. And it's it's a beautiful book. I recommend everybody get it. I am going to give away a copy of the book. So for anyone who is listening, either send me an email telling me what you thought of the episode and why you want the book or post on Instagram and tag both at High Conflict Institute and at Susan Guthrie ESQ. And I'm going to pick a winner and send somebody a their very own copy of the High Conflict Co-Parenting Survival Guide. Oh, that's so, so cool. Yeah, no, <laughs> really it, nice. it's, I think it's going to, it's such a helpful book. And Megan, you know, as always, you are absolutely a wonderful resource. And I do want to point out, you know, you do work with people in all different areas dealing, you mentioned coaching. It's not just divorce, it's it's workplace conflict, um, you know, all different areas of conflict in people's lives. You also do tr- a lot of training. And so people who want to find out about more about that at the High Conflict Institute website, right? Correct. Yep. Yep. Thank you. And, and guess what? what? I have my first in-person training since the pandemic started Yay! next Monday. Yay! <laughs> We're doing ours, but it's still online. So we start uh, next, next Tuesday, but thank you so much for taking the time. I so appreciate your coming on. And I know this episode is going to be a, a very helpful one for those people who are in that dark hole at the moment. So thank you. Thank you for having me on and all the best to you and all the best to your listeners. Hope, 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 hope abounds. Thank you for joining me today on the Divorce and Beyond podcast. I hope you found some information and inspiration to help you on this journey. Please join me every Monday at 6 a.m. Eastern Standard Time for a new episode. And if you like the show, please take the time to subscribe and leave me a five-star review on iTunes. You can also find more information on the website at divorceandbeyondpod.com where you'll find links to the YouTube channel, transcripts of the episodes, and other bonus content. So I'll see you next week to help you move through your divorce and beyond. Thank you.